Hi, you're listening to An Open Dialogue. I'm Violet Howe. And I am Todger Kendall. And this week, we have a very special guest with us. Uh, Todger, why don't you do this introduction? Oh, I don't know that I know her well enough to introduce her. (laughs) (laughs) We're very excited this week. We have um, Kate Candle. Uh, am I saying that right? <laughs> um, the last names are very similar. Very Audrey similar. Kendall, very, Kate very Kendall. similar. Yes, yes. Well, I'm Candle. She's Kendall. No, okay. it is. It All is. Right. It is Candle. <laughs> this is. This is my um, my third daughter, um, and uh, she just made it home after her college graduation and about a month in Gettysburg, where she was spending time with her second family. Say um, hi, Kate, so the readers know that you're actually here and we're not just making you up. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> she's here. And, and a lot of my readers would know because she's been um, at different events with me. And she has um, also uh, been on my Cooking with Heart. She has cooked with me. And, uh, um, and, and they would just know because they probably saw her pictures when she graduated and, and other fun times when we've driven her back and forth to Maine. So, so she has anyway. she has been in the in the Todra Candle News. She has often. been. She has, she been. has been. And she uh, graduated from um, a Unity, which is a college in Maine with her degree in sustainable agriculture. And And so we wanted to kind of talk about this today because uh, Todra, I know that Kate's college and Kate's uh, education and career choice was in part inspiration for characters in one of your recent books. Yes, um, yes. Cinderella. Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So we wanted to kind of find out um, a little bit more about this. So Kate, for you, like, how did you become interested in sustainable agriculture and, and really just sustainability in general? Like, what, what was it that drew you to that field? Hmm. Well, I began to be interested first in just sustainability and um, actually it was while I was in Gettysburg that I um, Pennsylvania that I first really had the concept of sustainability I think we, we had always lived with it for uh, to a certain degree but um, then I went to Gettysburg and uh, the young so I lived with were just very good at um, making sure that everything gets used, um, whether it's in cooking, whether it's the produce left over at the produce stand, um, that sort of thing. And it inspired me looking around uh, at other, other people. I thought, you know, we could just be doing things better, using things more efficiently. Um, because I also at that point knew, of course, that there are great issues with um you know uh sustainability the planet the planet the environment right and just and just to clarify for listeners so um you were in Gettysburg staying with the family are these like family friends or was this like some kind of exchange program like why were you in Gettysburg yes so actually we I was just um living there during my gap year okay uh, working at the produce stand and a pottery business that they have um and yeah, we so, should probably do a shout out to the Lion Potter right here, which mm-hmm. is located right off the battlefield in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and has tremendous produce and pottery and yeah, great place. So that was that was sort of like the uh, sustainability side, but the agricultural side was um, that 
my my grandparents or my grandfather, great grandfather, had always um, gardened and had tomatoes, and I have farmers on my dad's side as well. And so I, growing up in southern New Jersey, had always been sort of surrounded by gardening in a way that um, it kind of infiltrated my passion without me really realizing it until one day I was like, I love being in the garden and I love um, sharing new foods with other people and I love it the process all the way from growing it to cooking it to what it does to our bodies um, nutritionally and I thought if there what better way is there to you know break into the sustainability world than through our food system very yeah, good absolutely very and good. and you were very um, influential when you when you came home after your gap year uh, in um, teaching us to compost, which we are now composting mm-hmm. fools, your father even, um, and, in, and in educating us. And that's the great thing. I'm going to do a little PSA here, but that's the great thing I think about having children and having a, a family um, is that everybody brings in something different, some kind of new information, and it's, it's good. And, and as an author, it's a wonderful thing because it <laughs> definitely gives you of, things of to write research, about. Uh, being done for you right there. Exactly, um, exactly. And your, um, our, our co-host mentioned that you had gone to Unity, and I've mm-hmm. heard that that is called America's Environmental College. So um, mm-hmm. what went into your process as far as choosing Unity, and what was it like going to school in that kind of atmosphere where I would assume a lot of people are in your same mindset of of that you know common goal of sustainability right yeah so um i guess i ended up at unity for a variety of reasons partly because they had my program sustainable agriculture which is not it's not exactly um uncommon you can find it at a few other schools but it is fairly hard to find and it's definitely hard to find a a really good hands-on program which is what i got to experience um and one of the girls I worked with in Pennsylvania, again, um, she had was actually going to Unity. And when I first heard about it, I thought, oh, it's a small school in Maine. I'm not sure it's really what I'm looking for. Um, but I started to look more into it. And I remember showing my dad um, one of the videos. And he just said to me, this just this looks like you. It looks like a place where you would fit. Um, like it's a good fit, yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think from then on, I was like, well, that's true. Um, and it really was an amazing experience. Well, you said it was very hands-on. So, like, tell us a little bit about that. Like, what types of things would you be doing? Because, you know, when you say hands-on with sustainability and agriculture, I'm thinking mm-hmm. that's not a lot of sitting in a class listening to a lecture. Right. So Yeah, what... I mean, we did have a decent amount of lecturing, too, because there's a lot of um, on the science side that we still needed to learn. Right. Um, like, as far as soil fertility, um you know, we did a lot of farm business planning, but in even in the classroom, we were like, we weren't just sitting listening to lecture all the time. We were designing um, our own, like designing our own farm plans. Um, we had a high tunnel that we cultivated for my sustainable agriculture systems class. So we had, I have pictures, we have like greens in there. Um, everything from bok choy to like mixed salad greens to um, salanova lettuce heads and that was really interesting because we got to work with a bunch of different tools um and we worked on developing bed like a bed system um i rode a tractor i learned how to drive a tractor in that class i did walk behind tractor 
I mean, you name it. We were out in the field a lot um, doing various things, which was pretty impressive considering it was Maine. So the majority of time I spent in school was very cold. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, when we were up there, you even you pointed out a section where you had climbed to the top of trees. Yeah, we, w- we learned tree climbing. Um, yeah. We had in my horticulture class, we had our own plots as well. Um, and we also, for my botany class, we were out in the field doing um, our... Uh, herbarium collections as well so we would be out a lot collecting flower specimens and things like that and I would think that in addition to being more interesting or engaging than you know always sitting in a class that 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 kind of like caters to a whole different type of learning because there's certain things that we learn better you know with our auditory skills there's certain things we learn better visual but then that also like that kinetic actually having your hands in the dirt actually going through the process actually using those tools that's a whole different type of learning yeah for sure um i agree i think that one thing unity does really well is they're constantly exploring uh i would say they realize especially for the hands-on kind of experiential um degrees that they offer they have to have a different kind of classroom and a different kind of learning environment than just like you than something you would have for say an account accounting degree or something right or an english um, degree yeah. yeah exactly yeah you can't necessarily you could learn that in a classroom but farming and stuff you kind of have to be out on um putting getting your hands dirty and that sort of thing so they were good and you last fall um took part with with uh, another a group of girls in a it was a, a challenge the, that you did, um, and that's yeah. kind of informing what you're going to be doing this summer. Oh, yeah, that was, that was really interesting. That was um, kind of motivated by a conference I attended in San, or Oakland, near San Francisco, um, which is a sustainability conference called Verge, and they put a great emphasis on like entrepreneurship sustainable entrepreneurship and that sort of thing um so I got to do my very first business pitch with a group of my classmates in November then at a a New England sustainability food systems challenge um and we we actually did like win the first place which was kind of cool it was a pitch for a front yard garden system which I'm actually I am interning at a place here in Florida this summer that um, kind of installs for, uh, gardens in people's front yards I mean not just randomly you don't just like you wake up in the morning and no. people find gardens <laughs> <laughs> surprise just drive around the neighborhood installing gardens. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a program designed to like you know connect with families ask them for their permission to install <laughs> gardens of course and that sort of thing and then what happens is- I'm sorry go ahead no, I was just going to say, I know that um, I've, I've heard more, um, more and more I'm hearing about like communities or, or neighborhoods that have like a community garden or some type of garden set aside. But I think that's a great idea to, to do like the front yard beds. And I'm assuming that if it's going to be in the front yard, there's some kind of aesthetic, like that it's going to look nice too, yeah. but then it's, you know, you're using that space to actually grow something and actually be productive rather than just an expansive lawn that has to be mowed every weekend. So... Right. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily, I say front yard gardens, it doesn't have to be like right front smack in the middle of your, of your house or whatever. It, it can just be like a, a yard, um, 
or some space on your property that you have that is just devoted to grass at the moment and you want to diversify um, what you have in your yard. And then what happens to the, the plants or to the, the vegetables or whatever's grown there? There's various business models, but the um, organization I'll be working with, they take what they grow and they bring it to a farmer's market um, to sell and put the money back into doing. Okay. So does the family that owns the yard get part of that, get part of the, of the produce or does it all, is it all just grown for the market? I believe that the family gets a portion of the produce. Um, To be quite honest though, I I haven't actually started the internship yet, so I don't have all of the finer details. That's true. um, You'll have to update us on that once you get the. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, well, um, so what, tell us kind of like, I guess specifically with your plans, but also a a broader idea because um, having a degree in um, sustainable agriculture may be something that's a new idea for some people listening. So what are the types of jobs that you personally would go into with this degree or or the degree in general? Like what are the types of jobs Mm -hmm. that are available for this? Oh, sustainable agriculture. Um, It it seems like it would be narrow, but it's actually pretty broad. You could, so originally what I wanted to do was like research, um, do like a research kind of position where I would go and get my master's in some more specific subject and I was thinking microbiology or something of that sort um but I did a research internship and while I loved the work that I did I realized that it wasn't exactly what I wanted to be doing I want to be more working on the ground with people um and with policy and with seeing some real change go through so you can work more on the research side, you can work more on the policy side. And um, so what I'm, my goals at this point are to be working on a farm, gaining experience, and that way I have um, something to bring back when I am in a position to be changing um, like local legislature for in favor of farms and local food systems. Okay. Does right, so people could go sense? into the research side, they could go into working on a farm, they could work the policy side. So there's, you know, mm-hmm. several different directions someone could go yeah. with. You can you can have your own farm, of course. You could just you could just go that route um, and just do your own farm where you're you're making a living uh, growing produce. Um, you could go into a sustainable agriculture um, extension agent position. So most states have, or all states have. Uh, an extension agent through um, or an extension program through a local university like in Florida it's University of Florida where I was in Maine it was um, uh, University of Maine um, and it's different in each state all right and I would assume that um, as as we continue to grow more of a focus on sustainability and as we continue to find ways that we can do that, that that job field would expand and grow. Like I know when I was doing um, research for Maggie, I went and visited um, Desiree, which is the largest cattle ranch actually in the U.S. and it's located here in Central Florida. And I was amazed, like, you know, kind of think like when I went out there, like, oh, okay, they do cattle. And I was amazed at the number of different projects that go on in that ranch they do all Mm -hmm. sorts of things with soil testing and grasses and water and water systems and water testing and all this other kind of stuff so I would think that that that's also like 
you know, as this becomes something that that more and more people are involved in, that you would have like large operations like that would probably want someone with sustainability, you know what I mean, to kind of figure Absolutely. out the best way to use their mm-hmm. land and to have their land um, produce whatever their product is and whatever is possible in that land sustainably. Yeah, absolutely. You could go into some sort of consulting, soils consulting or something. Um, A lot of it would probably take, it would probably be benefited by um, further getting your master's degree and whatever specific consultation degree you wanted to do, but it definitely lays the groundwork for a lot of those positions. Awesome. Awesome. So what do you think is the greatest challenge facing our society in terms of sustainability and food sourcing? I know this is something that more people are becoming aware of, more people are becoming kind of focused on. So what do you think is like the greatest challenge we need to be focused on right now for sustainability? That's a really, a really, really difficult question to say what's the greatest challenge, but my, I'll tell you what my personal opinion is. Um, I think that what we, what you were saying before, as far as like or someone was saying before about communities um, coming together. I think that that is our biggest challenge when it comes to local food sourcing is that uh, the fragmentation of communities and the way that um, the way that communities are often laid out nowadays. I think people want to, um, you know, they want to eat better. They want access to, fresh, healthy, local food, but our lifestyles often prevent making that possible. Um, Or it's very either labor intensive or financially prohibitive to try to do that. It's not easy to do it. Exactly. Yeah. The financial aspect definitely comes into it. But again, um, that could be mitigated, I think, depending on how things were kind of put together um if if we had better local food systems it wouldn't be as big of an issue um of course this is just me kind of um can what's the word i'm looking for <laughs> music music, okay. music there you go sorry well i know like i live in kind of like an odd area we um we're right where four different corners of of counties join together so we don't fall very neatly into anybody's pocket as far as as county government and we're not really very close to any large city um i mean we're you know like 20 miles outside of orlando but i mean as far as like right here so i know like in claremont which is about 45 um, minutes north of me my friends that live there have like there's a great farmer's market in town and there's this great um, place that they can kind of like subscribe to that that, you know, brings a, a load of, of fresh fruits and vegetables and things like that. And, and people like go to this pickup location to get that. Um, I know there's a lot of places in Orlando that you're able to do this. I know Winter Garden has a great farm that has like, you know, grass fed beef and they have the cage free eggs mm-hmm. and things like that. But um, I agree with you that I think the way that our communities are laid out, um, it, it really depends on where you live as to whether or not you have access um, to local grown food and 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 food that's affordable and, and that you're able Definitely. to get. Definitely, yeah. Mm-hmm. When, when we lived on the west side of, of Orlando, we definitely had uh, more access to certain things. Hold on. I don't know. There, there are some great 
programs out there as well that are trying to um, make local healthy food more accessible to everyone. But it is a it's a huge challenge. Um, it is. We have uh, one of the terms I learned with through Kate's uh, education was food deserts and and how many we have in this in this country specifically. Which is really sad when you think about that we're one of the the wealthiest countries mm -hmm. and have you know some of the best resources um, you know on the planet and yet we have these huge areas where people really don't have access to yeah. healthy food. And and one of the things that that she was able to do while she was she uh, Kate started her education at our community college, one of our wonderful Florida community colleges, and and through that started a community garden, which then, you know, has, has continued. And um, it's been very cool to see um, that that feeds people in a way that, that they're not used to always being fed. You know, when, when you can present people with fresh vegetables when they don't, generally can't get it, they're so excited. So that's been a very... A very positive thing, mm -hmm. yeah. So it is great um, because we don't realize how disconnected we really are with our food, and that was again one of the things I I learned at the produce center I worked, um, where you have the, this fruit, these fruits and vegetables coming from local farms, and then customers would stop and you say, um, you know, oh, would you like to try a peach? And most, you're not most of the time, but a, a great, um, a large percentage of the time you'd have people say, oh, I don't really like peaches. And almost, you know, without fail, I try to say, try this peach. Like, and you give them half of this yellow peach, freshly ripened, it's been, you know, it has, it's ripened on the tree. And they take a bite and they say, okay, I've never had peach like this before. And right. And it's so cool because it's like, of course, yeah, you haven't. You've had them from the grocery store where you don't really understand where it's coming from or how it's been produced. And usually it's rock hard and it goes from rock hard to overripe um, from the grocery store. And so I think that was where I really realized how much, how large of a part the food, our food system plays in our lives and we don't give it the credit that it needs I think a lot of the time yeah this was it was interesting when I was doing the I, I do the cooking um, little segment on my Facebook lives once a week and I was sharing last week that I, I think one of the great things as parents we can do is take our kids to either the grocery store or to farmers markets and really educate them on what um, what different vegetables are. I've been at the grocery store where I've bought fresh vegetables and the cashier has no idea what it is. She'll say, you know, what's this? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, you, you might first have to educate. Yeah, well, that, exactly. Well, exactly. But that, that's what I'm saying. That <laughs> right. You have a whole generation, maybe two generations, that are very disconnected from that where food is coming from and what it is. You know, I'll buy leeks and people are just mystified well what is this well it's a leak or it's a beet good lord you know <laughs> what there's a, right. a funny story i have one of my professors told me he said he was working with a lady who was very you know very well educated she had a phd um but she had never really grown her own food before and so she asked him to help her put in a garden and, and so he did and um they grew i think peppers or something like that and it was time to harvest and they harvested it and she said 
is is it okay to eat? And he said, <laughs> of course it is. Well, why wouldn't it be? And she said, oh, it was so close to the dirt. I... <laughs> and of course he knew it was okay to eat, but you know, we don't, so, so often we don't experience that um, side of things. So mm-hmm. we don't always really know on a one cognitive yeah. level. Yeah. One of my least favorite chores to do as a child, my, my grandparents had a huge farm and digging potatoes uh. out of the dirt because the, the dirt was like 130 <laughs> degrees and you're having to dig out these potatoes and you're dirty and it's all, you know, the dirt goes in your nose and in your eyes and everything else. So I don't have that natural love of, of gardening and being in the dirt that some people have that I'm so happy you have since you can <laughs> major in stuff like this. But yeah, I definitely, um, I definitely understand that the food comes well, out of the dirt. That's good to know. <laughs> uh, but it's, I mean, think about it. There are certain things that even I, who grew up with in, in the heartland of South Jersey gardens and whatever, and, and certainly knew where tomatoes came from, whatever, I didn't, there were, there were certain things I didn't realize how, how they were, was it garlic that I, I hadn't really been aware of? Yeah, and I said, was- oh. Yeah, it's yeah. funny. Where, how, you said, I think you said how, I can't yeah. remember, but I think you weren't thinking through it completely. And you said, oh, it, it grows underground. And I was like, oh, it's a bulb. It does. Yeah, like yeah, it's a bulb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's, I've, I've shared pictures of, um, we, we have several pineapple plants that we have done. And people are astounded when they see the little pineapple just coming out. They say, well, I thought they grew on trees. <laughs> well, no. And thank heavens, because they're very heavy. They would drop on you and, you know, not be good. But yeah. um, exactly. So, <laughs> of course, coconut. Well, I, you know, as I said that, I was thinking that. And, and that is actually, as an aside, a legit problem in Hawaii. Um, you will see that in, in Hawaii, they are uh, actively always... Um, harvesting them because it is a problem you know that there are palm trees growing and coconuts fall and you know it is so i swear it is a problem (laughs) anyway um when when we were in costa rica we stayed at a um a five leaf resort and so um we took like the sustainability tour and they show you like all the different things that they have to do in order to um, maintain their five leaf status. And I was fascinated by not just what they were doing and the number of steps that it took in order for them to get that status, but, but what that meant was happening everywhere else. Like, you know what I mean? Like things that we don't think about goes in the process, like all of the laundry at a hotel or all of the cleaning agents used at a hotel or like all the different things that we do that have an impact on the environment that I'd never really thought through that until I went to a resort that was purposely trying not to do any of those things. Um, And I will say exactly what you were saying about the peach, the food there was all grown um, on the property. And you have to tell them that morning, like you, you fill out your little breakfast, lunch and dinner based on their selections of what they have that's fresh and in season. And if you chose fish for dinner, then when you went out to the beach that day, there was some guy standing in the surf fishing and whatever he caught would be your fish that night for dinner. Um, but one of the things that fascinated me there was they had um, like down the hill from the resort, they had a big pig pen with the hugest, cleanest pigs I'd ever seen in my life. Like I said, I, you know, grew up with my grandparents having a farm and the pigs were not clean animals. And um, these pigs in Costa Rica were bright pink and pretty. And they feed the pigs all of the table scraps um, from the restaurant, all of the scraps from the kitchen. And then when the pigs poop, 
they clean out the pig pen and it goes down this little like um, trough basically into this huge vat and they have like a, a tarp over it with a pipe running up to the main building. And so the mm -hmm. methane from the pig poop would then be, you know, the gas that they used for cooking or different things that they used in the main building. And I remember thinking at the time, like, oh my gosh, with all the animals that we have in the United States with, you know, pig farms and, and cow farms and dairy farms, all these things. Why aren't we using more methods like that that are more natural? Yeah. So, I mean, with um, a lot of the cattle farming we do in the U.S., there's at least the large scale operation. There's huge um, pools that they put the manure in and it literally just sits in the ground and sometimes they line it but a lot of times it can just seep into the then the nitrogen um the phosphorus can just seep into the ground from there um which is yeah, sad. i remember it, with a, one of the recent tornadoes in the midwest they were talking about was it tornado? no it was flooding it was flooding in the midwest and they were talking about those types of pools and that they you know that they were concerned with the flooding and that that was all then going to wash you know into everything else mm -hmm. um so kate i guess like with your opinion and with with you know the the expertise that you've gained what do you think is the biggest reasons that we don't use more stuff like that is it profit is it policy is it greed like like why don't we put more things in place especially in those large operations that have a huge impact on the environment why don't we see more sustainability being put in place in your opinion yeah i think it is i think it is a lot of profit and um i yeah i think profit and um policy like as you said and i just don't think there's enough pressure put on people higher up to change the policies so if nobody is trying to make it make it you know um, kind of innovate the way that we do cattle farming or whatever um there's there's going to be no reason for people to do it if it's they're like well i'm making a profit i just i don't have to deal with the consequences right. complaining everybody's yeah. still buying so I'm, I'm assuming it's more expensive in most cases it's probably more expensive to do it in a sustainable or an environmentally friendly way yeah um, and i think it, and so then are... people have to be willing to pay more for the end product in order to finance the process right mm -hmm. and changing our infrastructure so it takes time effort willingness and, to do it you know exactly because you have to you have to learn a whole new method um and so, you know, you're, you have a way of doing things. If it seems to work, even if we know that there are consequences to it, you know, sometimes it just doesn't. It just Change doesn't is hard. It's, it's hard um, unless there has to be a, um, I think, a really pressing um, reason and, and motivation for people to change. And, and anytime we can tell ourselves that, well, it's not, we don't really know that this is a problem. You know what I mean? That, that, that anytime it's not something that, yeah, there's not somebody it, yeah. standing, you're going to, if, if somebody's standing with an ax over your head, you're going to figure out a way to try to get around that ax. But if somebody <laughs> is two miles away with a bow and arrow and they're meandering towards you, you're not going to have the same, you know, uh, what is the word uh, that this uh, urgency, urgency definitely urgency, urgency. Or, yeah, exactly the same yeah. uh, motivation to try to do something and so it, it's right. it really is we 
one class I took this semester actually was uh, environmental advocacy, which is all about how do we make changes? How do we make environmental changes, particularly um, in groups of people at the community level when the, the class was really emphasizing the fact that we can't change people's attitudes. We can only attempt to change their behavior by using attitudes and what we know about attitudes to um, sway people toward, you know, what is the best decision. Um, and I think attitudes sometimes do change, but it does, it's, it's difficult um, and it's a slow process and it takes education and it takes changes in policy and changes in, um, in you know, incentives that people are being offered um, because even I'll say at the end of the day, it's hard for me to make a change or a lot, especially a lifestyle change. If it's easier to do one thing over another, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think sometimes I feel like we take two steps forward and I mean, one step forward and two steps back. Cause I know like with recycling, like I remember when that kind of started to become a thing and it became, you know, more commonplace, although not in all areas, but, um, like most of my friends, most of my circle of friends uses a recycling program. However, our county um, several months ago sent out like they pretty much had stopped recycling all all of the materials on the list except just a couple because it was very cost prohibitive for them to do it. And so I feel like like we kind of got everybody in the mindset of, okay, separate your trash, put this in recycle, put this in the regular trash. And then we're like, yeah, no, we're not really going to do that. It costs mm -hmm. too much. And um, I was reading yesterday, in fact, an article about all of the plastic that the U.S. ships out to other countries and mm -hmm. countries like Thailand and Vietnam, um, China actually won't take any more of our trash. But that's, um, that's why a lot of counties have stopped recycling because China yes. stopped taking. Yeah, because it's, you know, I, I was reading about like the effects of recycling it and the effects of the people who work in the recycling industry and like the effects of having very little reg re regulation in the other countries we're sending it to. And so... I feel like we like did all this stuff to educate people and make people know how important it was to recycle, but then we didn't, whether that be policy or systems or whatever, we don't have what's needed on the back end to make that really work. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's frustrating. It's, it's frustrating to feel like that not only do we have to change people's attitudes and we have to change people's behaviors, but we also have to somehow have the things in place that like, okay, if we get them to do what we're telling them they need to, yeah. that it's going to work, you exactly. know? Yeah. And I, I, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of like um, all of the things that I could tell you about of the issues I know of as far as recycling and whatnot. Um, but yeah, we do ship a lot to China and it, so it hasn't, we don't have that background to, to back up people's behaviors of if, even if people are recycling, it's like, okay, you know, what's the point of it? Um, and it's really, it's really frustrating. I guess that's what motivates me. It both it both makes my my degree or my career choice motivated, but it also makes it an uphill climb often because it's like, why am I doing this? <laughs> you right. know. Um, but right. I, but I just I read something um, in a book um, my friend and I are reading right now called Lost Girls about these three girls traveling the world and. Um, she mentions um, 
how she begins to sponsor a little girl that she meets while they're traveling in Africa. And she said, um, by witnessing the the girls she saw in Africa and the way that they help each other, she started to realize that, you know, what one person can make a difference. Yes. And I think that, and she said something along the lines of, we have to have faith in the fact that one person can make a difference. And I think that that's so true, um, that we have to be able to have faith in each other, that we can make a difference. I think we have to have faith in ourselves because a lot of times people are going to look at you and say, it does, what one person does doesn't matter. And I, I have to disagree because if one, if one person thinks what they do doesn't matter, then, you know, then they're not going to do anything. Exactly. When, when I had, um, in, when I taught middle school at an after school club called the change the world club. And that was, that was our hugest theme of that club is that one person can't change the entire world, but one person can make a difference. You know, if they do, if they do something, if they take action, then they can make a difference. And, and together we could change the world. If every person did something to make the world a better right. place, mm-hmm. then we can and, change and, the you world. know, we, we so, see this. I, I always think about the, the story of the starfish, the boy throwing the starfish back into to the ocean uh, as he walked along the beach yeah. and a man came up to him and said you're not you're not you know this isn't doing anything and you're not changing the world you're not saving them all and he threw one in and he said but I saved that one and you know I changed the world right. for this starfish and I you know I saw recently right. we had what the largest ocean clean uh, boot group yes right Deerfield Beach yeah. they, they did that and and um, you know we're we're making, we have to look at as much, we can't close our eyes to the reality of where we are, but we also cannot close our eyes to, um, to the things that are going right, to the things that we are doing. There has to be a balance there because otherwise we'd go, yeah, exactly. we'd go back, we'd, we'd walk into the ocean and never come back. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And then that would that's be right. That's right. Oceans. That's right. There you go. No, we're sustainable. We're, we're compostable. <laughs> Yeah, but our clothes, like I'm assuming you're not, maybe you're Of course I am. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take my beautiful clothes. <laughs> Are you kidding? No. <laughs> well, Kate, what is, go, no, go ahead. What oh, were you sorry. saying? I was just going to say there's probably microplastics. <laughs> That's too, true. So, you know, yes. Yes, exactly. In our digestive systems. Um, well, Kate, like, cause I definitely want to end this on a positive okay. note because mm-hmm. I do believe that if we all do something if we all make that effort so what is what is something that you would suggest what is one thing that people could do and you may name off several things like I know like I'm working really hard to give up plastic straws I'm I'm like I carry straws with me where I go now unfortunately sometimes I forget them (laughs) them at the restaurant but you know what is what is like a little something like what is something you can think of that people could do that will actually make a difference to help the environment I'll tell you the top three things and these are the hard these are okay maybe these are a bit too hard the the biggest thing that you can change and I even I haven't changed this at this point in my life yet um but the biggest thing you can do is eat a plant-based diet that's like okay top of the line um changes a lot of course giving up any kind of plastic that you can um trying to the best of your ability to buy uh brands that are fair trade sustainable um start a compost pile (laughs) that's a huge thing i mean 
a huge percentage of our of our waste in the U.S. goes to food waste, which could be really helping um, our planet and our food system. Um, I think those are those are our top ones. Okay. And if you're still okay. having kids, don't. Have kids. <laughs> hey, kiddo. <laughs> I say. Yeah, I was gonna say as number um, three or four. So. <laughs> Sorry, <David. laughs> um, okay, so plant-based diet, give up plastics, buy fair trade whenever possible, or sustainable products, and um, start a compost. Yeah, or figure and... out, find your local um, find a local composting unit yeah. that you could give your food waste. Yeah. To. Okay, and then I mean, does it do any like using? reusable bags at the grocery store you know not take like taking straws with you in reusable straws like does stuff like that make a difference or not really because I'm just trying to think of like you know I, I think it's I agree with you that that those four things those are all great I can tell you that mm-hmm. there's people there's some people who are not going to do a plant-based diet of course um, yeah. um I think that in our world of convenience we until we are forced to give up plastics, I think it's going to be very hard to get everyone to give mm-hmm. up plastics. Right. Yeah. So like, what are some and like just small we... things that, you know, maybe that's not the only thing you need to be doing, but some small things that you can do that like today could make a difference if you, if you started doing that today. Right. Of course, of course, giving up plastic straws, of course, um, using reusable bags, it, it makes, it makes a difference. Um, rather than getting your bags or even if you get plastic bags you know use them or if you put them in the trash if you have plastic bags and you just and you put them in the trash or you know um tie them in a knot at the very least that's something you could do so that they're not blowing away um when they get to the landfill or whatever um and i know some grocery stores have bins where you can recycle the mm-hmm. plastic bags that they give you. So if you are going to use the plastic bags, if that's what you prefer, at least take them back to the store and recycle them if that's yeah. available. And anything you can use more I than once, a... you know, anything you can do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, there's your... a store in um, a store chain in Canada that I saw last week to discourage people from using plastic bags. They've had the most insane things printed <laughs> on the side of it. Like I'm trying to think of what they were, but like one of them was like something about like hemorrhoid <laughs> cream or like whatever, like they're trying to make it embarrassing to carry those bags around so that people are less likely to use them, which I thought was a humorous <laughs> approach. Um, and I know a lot of cities have started, you know, outlawing them or, or making yeah, and a lot of a lot of grocery stores are not. Um, and there's grocery yeah. stores out there that that are, you know, um, I look at Aldi, you know, you have to pay if you want a bag. I don't. So I never right. you know, I would never do right. that. So, yeah, there's. Of course, yeah. Supporting places like Aldi that make better choices. Um, one thing, two little things I can think of. If you have uh, glass jars, like pasta glass jars, um, that you would just put in the recycling, you could save that and use that for your Tupperware instead of buying mm-hmm. more plastic. plastic Tupperware. If you if you were at the point where you're like, oh, I have to get more Tupperware anyway, use your use your old glass jars. That's a great option. Um, you, reuse your Ziplocs. I know that sounds silly, and of course, there's some things you couldn't reuse, but if you just stuck a lemon in it um, and you're about to throw it in the trash or something like that, you could reuse yep. that. Um, that's a great a great way to not be adding to our waste. Yeah. And and I'll say that food awesome. in in glass tastes better too when you reheat it than it does if it's kept in plastic. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of good reasons. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Kate, thank you so much. Thanks for um for sharing your knowledge with us and thanks for sharing um ideas and kind of giving us a little bit more awareness. Um if you want to learn more about 
Unity. Um, do you happen to know the school's website? Just so we could give that to readers. If not, we can put it in the comments of the yeah, post. Yeah, it's just unity.edu. Okay, that's quick and easy. Um, if you want to know more about sustainable agriculture or sustainable careers, I'm sure there's lots of places you could look for that. If you would like to learn more about the characters in Anti Cinderella who were inspired by Kate's education and um, uh, career choices, you can find those at todricandle.com or on all your online True. vendors. The name of the book is The Anti Cinderella, and there's three, yes. three yes, in the series are, now. So it is a trilogy now. Um, if you'd like to know more about anything that we just talked about, we're going to be posting this on our Facebook page and open dialogue. Please comment and um, we will get answers for you or we might even be able to have Kate have answers for you. And we really appreciate you listening. We appreciate you be here, being here. Please do something today to change behavior, to That's help right. the environment. Make a choice to change That's something. Right. Please do. Thank you for having Thank me. Thank you for being here. <laughs> All right. Everybody Thank have you. a great week. Bye-bye. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.